This is episode 467 with the one and only Suhei Gomez. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. Anytime I bring a guest onto the podcast, you know, the goal is always uh, to bless you with their knowledge, to share a different perspective on a particular topic and something that would greatly enrich your career. And I'm always pumped up, you know, to have them on the podcast. So when I have a guest on for a second time, you know, it can only show how super pumped I am uh, to have them back on the podcast. We've only had a handful of guests on the podcast and all of them have blessed you in their different ways. Flashback, guys, to episode 380. Where he brought Suhei Gomez on uh, the first time here on Athlete Maestro, and it was super epic. I mean, the reactions uh, from that episode were, you know, just on another level in terms of simplifying sports psychology, bringing it to its simplest form. You know, so anybody tunes in, they've never heard anything about sports psychology, they know nothing about sports psychology, they're going to listen to that episode, and automatically they're going to be like, oh, wow. That is what this talks about. So when you go six months, you know, and then she's back on the podcast, you know, it can only mean incredible things. And guys, trust me, this is not an episode that you want to miss. Now, it's my podcast. I can hype it the way that I want. But trust me, this is not just hype. You see, we're talking about self-awareness as the gateway to you achieving your sports goals. As literally, you're going to walk into the gate to achieve your sports goals. You know, then self-awareness is the key. That's just a tip of what we talked about but it's the gateway to everything guys that we talked about unfortunately this episode uh, was recorded you know the day that uh, Kobe Bryant lost his life and um, it was such a sad one and that's one of the things that we talked about as well you know the impact that he had on LA generally the impact that he had on Suhei as well but you know more or less like in his honor we went ahead you know to still do this recording for you guys to ensure that you know you're constantly learning and you're constantly on that path to achieving your goals in sports we talk about what Sue is up to now. Remember, six months ago, you know, she was still undergoing, you know, that uh, master's in sports psychology. And, of course, she was preparing to go after a doctorate as well. You know, so a lot of the conversations were tailored down that line. Naturally, we talked about Kobe Bryant, you know, the Mamba mentality, what that meant to her. And, of course, uh, how you guys can tap into it a little bit. Maybe a few of the secrets that he used as well. We talked about, you know, capturing your thoughts and your emotions and of course primarily we talked about self-awareness and of course that self-awareness according to me i'm sure she would agree as well is the gateway for you to achieve your sports goals because everything guys that we talked about revolved around this it talks about looking back is that good or bad you know when they say you know, don't go back to your past and so many of those things we also talked about confidence you shared a breathing technique with us and of course we talked about pressure as well that's something that as an athlete you're never ever going to be able to escape you know pressure is one of them but guys i want to encourage you if you missed the first episode maybe uh, you started listening to the podcasts you know after episode 383 you know i want you to go back and listen to that first episode because that's when uh, we introduce suhei to you that's when you get to hear her for the first time so now that we're bringing her back on you know it's even more special but i would highly encourage that you listen to that first episode atlimashiro comfort slash 383 or episode 383 anywhere 
guys they are listening to Atlee Marshall. This episode is, you know, just too good. And I'm so, so happy that we were able to do this. Irrespective of anything that happened on the day, you're going to be blessed by this episode. Of course, remember, you know, you can send me an email. You can send to an email as well. Contact at suwehealth.com. What were the things that you learned from this episode or things that you learned from the previous episode and maybe you didn't hear more of it in this episode or maybe there was something different. Whatever your observations are, about this episode of the podcast, trust me, we want to hear from you. Tola at AthleteMaestro.com, contact at SueHealth.com. This episode, guys, brought to you by my Athlete Maestro Daily Planner. You see, being self-aware means that you're taking stock. And one of the things that Sue always talks about, you know, especially on this podcast and the previous one was journaling and how, you know, you need to take these things down. You see, one of the things that going to help you do that is the Athlete Maestro Daily Planner. Head over to AthleteMaestro.com forward slash daily planner to get your hands on the Athlete Marshall Daily Planner today. I've talked a lot. You know, I'm going to stop talking now. I'm going to let you enjoy this episode with someone who I can say now, you know, is one of my good friends, the talented Suhei Gomez. Last time, Suhei, you know, I said at the end, I don't know whether you hypnotized me or something. I said at the end that you were going to speak some Spanish. For some reason, I forgot. It was after that I remembered that I said you're going to speak Spanish. So before I say you're going to speak at the end, why don't we start off with that? So say something nice in Spanish, then I'll tell you what I want you to say in Spanish. That is so funny, Tola. You remembered. I did, I did. <laughs> so you already said something in Spanish, something nice. Okay. Yes. Estoy emocionada de estar aquí en esta podcast contigo, la, uh, esta segunda vez. Y espero que todos... Reciban algo bueno en nuestra conversación. The only thing I heard there was the tallest, and that's because Rafael Nadal says that all the time. But can you tell us what you said? <laughs> yes, I said I'm excited to be on this call again with you the second time, and I hope and trust that uh, folks hearing learn something good in this conversation. Hmm. I'm going I'm to listen to that back and forth again and then <laughs> see which of the words that, that, that I can pick up. But it's good to have you back on the podcast second time. I can say that categorically, the first time I've had someone come on the podcast twice, and that's because the first conversation was so good. You know, we talked about so many things. We talked about journaling, talked about positive self-talk. You gave me a little bit of uh, insight into uh, what you're currently doing, sports psych related. You talked about uh, the softball athletes you were working with. So many things that we talked about. But currently, how's it going with the sports psych? What were the things that, last time we spoke was in August. Uh, what were the things that you, what I say now, that you know more about, so to speak, now that you know the master's almost out of the way, starting the doctorate in sports psychology? Yeah, so much has happened when it comes to knowledge, learning, enhancing. And uh, I think the the one thing that's come up more since we last talked was just this like customization when it comes to these mental skills with mm-hmm. enhancing and helping others. And the more I get into the program as um, I am now in the doctor program and I'm in my second quarter. So you can only imagine so much more information is coming into my beautiful big head. <laughs> it's like inundated with info, info. But the more I get into the program, the more I realize that everything, all this is information to give um, to athletes, performers, and individuals to enhance their headspace and to be better. However, there is so much customization that needs to occur too. Mm-hmm. Like really being able to meet the client or the athlete, the performer in the middle to see what works for them. 
And the, again, more and more as I get into the program and just my own path and where I'm at, I realize that there is uh, like the art in the work that I do and I will be doing that, you know, I have these skills or I have this information and educating, but it's really connecting with the person in front of me and see what works for them and coming up with a blueprint for them with obviously the knowledge and input and really giving them the power to, to know that they have the answers within themselves, given the chance of connecting with the right dots with the information. Mm, and that's good because I mean, six months is a long time to delve into detail uh, as it relates to so many of all these things. So I would suppose that you're really enjoying it now as you get more insights, uh, which is kind of like what we talk about as it relates to athletes, that the more you understand your sport, the more you understand yourself as an athlete, the more you're going to enjoy it. Can we say the same thing with you at this current point in time? Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. The more I understand myself, I become aware of who I am. I become aware of my own core values or who I am. The more you're able to maneuver and do great things. And the more you said insight, the better. It's like becoming a master of who you are. Mm. And there is such a beauty in really tapping into who you are before all of this other stuff, because knowing who you are is so important. And yes, I would say with this past six months, I've, as I keep on going, the more insight and more insight I, I develop. And that's exciting because I'm learning and growing and empowering myself and empowering others that I work with and I will work with in the future. Yeah, that's great. And of course, um, I have to say that the, the, the first time uh, we did this, there was so much feedback. You know, I, I got calls from a lot of people talking about the episode and some of the things that we spoke about. There was even uh, one of the athletes that I was advising as well that kind of reached out to you based off of what we talked about. And that's how I knew uh, that the episode was a good one because of the things that we touched on and because the athletes were able to relate to them. What, what kind of feedback did you get on your end from, from that episode? Oh, I love that you bring this up. It got me so excited because I too got feedback and it was exciting. And yes, um, your, uh, your athlete did reach out to me and it was exciting to hear that there was such connections in just our talk, like human to human conversations and bringing in the information. And like we've talked about, like that conversation was a good 45 minutes and I felt like it wasn't that and so much juice came out of it. But to answer your question, the feedback that I got I know one of my um, friends from back home, he's like a family friend. And I'll say him specifically because it was right when we had, you had his stream live, the conversation and the episode. And I told him, Hey, you know, it was a complete casual, like, Oh yeah, there's, you know, if you want to, cause you would always ask me like, Oh, what are you up to? And then like, I tell him like, sports psychology, so forth and so on. And I said, Oh, actually I just got uh, an episode um, going live you should hear it. It's about sports psychology and let me know what you think. It was just a very like casual conversation. Mm. He even said, you don't have to worry about listening to the whole thing. Long story short, he comes back to me like say a week later and he has no idea never really knows, has known about sports psychology, what that's all about. <laughs> he told like he sat there. He said, Suhey, I was stuck on my phone listening to the whole conversation the whole entire like 45 minutes yeah and i was like so was i when i replayed it like i heard it like four times so there was just so much good that came out of it and a couple of my classmates too because as you know i'll add it on my social media too mm -hmm. uh they had i think the biggest thing i got was it was enticing it was very uh 
applicable. It was easy to understand and it was very real, you know, as best as I can. I always try to be just very real and raw yeah. with all this information. So, and um, yeah, that's kind of some of the, the feedback that I got. And I got feedback through messaging on my Instagram too. Yeah. And, and you know that's the that's one of the reasons why I do this. You know, to to make it as relatable as possible. We want to kind of like demystify so many of all these things that have been so serious for such a long time. When anybody talks about the mind, you know, people kind of like run and try to take cover because they feel like you're trying to pry into unwanted territory and things like that. So that's why I was really really glad that we were able to do that. I was glad it came out the way that it did. And I'm sure today's own, uh, trust me, it's it's going to be even better. Before we get into the new gritty sad news uh, coming out of the u.s coming out of la where you are kobe bryant i mean i was i was absolutely devastated when that news broke as i guess that you were as well oh devastated we were just talking about this um uh, kobe bryant mm. legend um i you know i would think i would not be impacted by this but i i, I am i mean i grew up with watching him mm-hmm. Uh, since when I was little, I was, that was my era of me and my brother used to be stuck on the screen watching Kobe (laughs) Bryant and Fisher and all of those guys. And it just, it's one of those where I think I heard, I was reading online early this morning uh, when the news was coming out that, you know, we think these athletes are like, have superpowers and nothing Uh will happen to them. And then it happens and it just, what? So yeah, very devastating, devastating. Mm, too sad because um you know just like i was saying earlier as well for for majority of the african athletes you know most especially the basketballers you know that was the guy that you had his jersey hanging on your door that was the guy that was the inspiration because you know michael jordan was getting to that point where you know he was already past his prime and he was retiring uh, but kobe Bryant was the guy the athleticism everything and of course uh, there's also the mamba mentality which of course ties into you know all of this sports psychology and of course the kind of mindset uh, that kobe bryant had can you talk to us about your understanding of his mindset and why it was so legendary that everybody now begins to reference it as the point where, you know, you want to be your mental toughness, you know, Mamba mentality is somewhat kind of like your inspiration. Yeah, there is so much you can say there. I think just generally speaking, I mean, the Mamba mentality, it was obviously there was history with him showing up, um, you know, physically, his talent, his story. And it comes to one, a point, and I think I addressed this last time we talked, it comes to a point where your athleticism is, your, it's on point. Mm-hmm. But it is that next level when you start really tapping into your mental, your mental game and your mental performance and seeing what that is for you in order to go to the next level. And I didn't study Kobe Bryant much to see what type of mental skills he was using, but I am certain that he, I'm sure he used them. And a lot of these skills, I, it's you know that the talent, the physical part comes usually first, and then you ta- you layer in with the mental skills and the mental techniques and really connecting to that you start to see how much that levels you up to the next level and to be able to stay in that pressure to be able to move forward to be able to to embrace that suck or that Uh, suffer fest uh. of going through a sport and I think with his talent and his ability to show up since you know he got drafted when he was 18 and for so many years of that consistency you eventually innately start adding more and more to to your game by increasing your mental toughness and 
I would say, yeah, I'm sure he used things like imagery, um, breathing and, uh, focus and concentration techniques to keep them keeping on and going to the Mm. next level. Mm, Yeah. And it makes uh, perfect sense in, in terms of, you know, what it was able to embody and the kind of uh, legacy was going to pass on. Now this episode is by no means about Kobe Bryant, but you know, I was watching one of the interviews that he did. And it's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about as well, where uh, he talks about one of his high school coaches, or I can't remember if it was um, his high school or maybe early in his basketball career, you know, where uh, the coach always told him to live in the moment, you know, you're going to rest when you're done. So everything that you can do right now to be present in the moment while you play, while you execute, you must do all of that. Talk to us quickly about, you know, being in the moment because we see a lot of young athletes who, you know, it's more or less like the fast forwarding of things, you know. So I start out playing my sports and then, you know, one year, two years, I already see my name in the bright lights for the footballers. You know, you see a footballer, maybe a striker or a midfielder who is about to score a goal. And it kind of like messes up the chance. You're going to hear the commentator say things like he already saw his name in the bright lights, which means it was more or less like fast forwarding. Instead of him playing, ensuring that he was executing first, maybe the glory comes later. They kind of fast forward. Talk to me quickly, uh, Suhey, about, you know, being where your feet are, being in the present moment as young athletes are chasing the goals so that they constantly have things to remember. Oh, I love this this um, topic here about being where your feet are, which connects to also controlling what you can control, controlling mm. the present. And this is such a, like, a phenomenal skill that can be built and learned and really tapping into being where your feet are. And what that really essentially means is a great visual to provide like young athletes or performers um, for proper focus. Uh, I sense that so many of us can be so much in the future mm. and so much in the past, but really all we have is here right now in this current moment where our feet are right here in this moment. Like for example, today, at 3 PM, this is all I have right now. And, um, and there is such a like phenomenal ability or the skill of being able to come back to the present moment. It's hard. You know, it is a hard skill to, to connect to essentially in the beginning because our mind wanders. That's natural. Our mind will wander. Think about like the lights. Think about what's going to happen next. Oh, what am I going to do after this? What do I have to do the rest of the day? But if we're able to be mindful and really start connecting more and more to where we are right now in the present moment, the more you're able to see that with what I have now, I can prepare for later. But if I'm not here where I'm in this moment, my present moment, then I'm not able to see I'm not going to have the future or the best things that I want to see in the future. Mm. And one of, uh, there's a, a well-known uh, head of mental conditioning individual at IMG Academy. It's out in Florida. His name is Duncan Simpson. And I also saw him speak at one of our seminars here at our school. He talks about the number one skill people can enhance themselves with is mindfulness. Mm. If you could do anything to enhance yourself, it would be to enhance your ability to stay in the present moment which goes back to being where your feet are. So in other words, it doesn't matter if you're like a doctor, a painter, a bartender, or an athlete, the ability to stay present is just a phenomenal skill. And I'll give you an example, like for me, like a practical example. Um, I have really connected to this more so than ever before. And a lot of my classmates too, or one of my close classmates always tells me, oh, you're always so mindful in your, your, your breath work and your, your breathing techniques. Like you're always like so grounded and so forth and so on. And I'm like, 
yeah, like I practice this. I don't just wake up and like, oh, here we are. Like I actually mentally practice this all the time. I would say I've become consciously competent of being, um, being where my feet are, being present. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, for example, I, every, every day I do my breathing techniques and I have a certain like, and this helps me to get grounded. But mm-hmm. usually I'll start with, for example, I go to class, I come out of class, it's noisy, it's busy. So in order, I do this kind of unconsciously, it kind of just become part of me. And I continue to grow with this is I walk out of class and I will walk and I will literally look down at my feet and I'll wiggle my toes. That's giving me a cue to focus now, bring my attention to where I'm at. And then right after for another example would be like, I add a layer to that is I actually do my breathing and my breathing uh, currently is I do five breaths of one, two, three, four, five, but I actually count them. So I do like a breathe in, hold, breathe out one, breathe in, hold, breathe out two. And I go all the way to five. And if I find myself going further, that means that I've lost attention or lost concentration or I lost focus. So I bring myself right back. And I have, I have to, I start over. And it's just this thing I do in my own head, like by myself. And it could be if I'm in my car or even if I'm just sitting by the bench and I sit there on my own and I just practice this. And that is a way of me bringing myself to here. Even during our conversation, like, you know, I will, you're talking, I'm doing my, my complete deep breaths uh. to be able to stay grounded and focus on what we're working on right now in this moment. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, the brilliant techniques a, a little bit later, but I get the point you're saying in terms of being uh, in the present moment, but I'm thinking about this from uh, two perspectives. So the first one is the ambitious athlete who uh, feels that, you know, the sky is just the starting point, you know, just like they say, uh, you know, and there's so much to achieve. There's so many things that, you know, I can do in the sport. And as they go through this process, of continually chasing these goals that they want to achieve is more or less like a forward trajectory. Now, that's one angle. Now, the second angle, which is what I want you to expand more on based on your experience. So I was reading a story of a Winter Olympic Games athlete, Kikan Randall. Now, she had the goal of winning a gold medal at the Winter Olympic Games. So she sat down with a team, you know, and they came up with a plan that, okay, if you're based off of where she was at the time, Uh, If she was going to become an Olympic gold medalist, it was going to take her 10 years to get from where she currently was to that Olympic gold medal. Now she did eventually, it took her 10 years, she did eventually get to that Olympic gold medal. What can an athlete in that position do? You know that the goal is going to take four years. You know the goal is going to take five years or however long it is. How easy or what can they do to stay in the present moment based off of the goals that they have now set? Because goals are in the future, obviously. But how do you stay in the present moment as you're chasing those goals? I think uh, nothing beats preparation uh, (laughs) to add with staying in the present moment or focusing on those goals. And I think first, I'll start with the basic foundation of, and I'll build up with self-awareness. If the athlete really connecting with the athlete or the performer or the individual, like, Where is that self-awareness? Are you able to see maybe where you have challenges, where you're struggling and so forth and so on? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because as I mentioned before, only through the self-awareness, if they're able to see where they're at with their awareness, then there's that enhancement, modification and change to reach for A, B or C. Uh, So I would say definitely the more, and also through self-awareness, you can connect to present moment. What I Mm -hmm. mean by that is 
By being self-aware, it means noticing. It means noticing yourself. It means noticing your thoughts. It means noticing your feelings. And possibly if they're able to further connect, noticing your behavior or how you react or how you perform. So through that self-awareness, you start really bringing that capturing like the thoughts that are coming in your headspace, for example. You're bringing like, oh, what's happening here? What's going on here? That reflection. And I would say with reflection in that moment and, and learning how to tap into that, you're able to become more mindful, more present. And my, maybe one example could be a more practical example. Okay, how do I start building that? You know, I'm talking about self-awareness right now. Uh-huh. Is um, connecting it to your feelings I and mean, your thoughts, your feelings and your behavior. And I might have talked to you about this before, Tola, but I think this is a great exercise to really start bringing that awareness to someone's space to get to those goals or to that future, to that A, B, and C outcome that they're looking for. Uh-huh. And if you're able to start building that self-awareness and goal is to connect to be more in the present moment. If we're able to build on, okay, allowing the athlete to start really capturing their thoughts. We don't get taught uh, to like capture our thoughts yeah. or see what we're thinking or noticing what we're thinking. But there is this research and this backing with how you think it's going to influence how you feel uh, and that's going to impact how you behave or perform or react. So say if an athlete, we start really building off of that, we started to say, okay, um, let's say athlete's name is Alex. Alex, how in that moment where you're about to perform or you're about to get to A, B, and C, what are you thinking maybe huh. before, during, or after? We can start writing that down in a journal. And this can go in many ways, but I'm just uh, more generally speaking, maybe write in a journal. He's thinking, I, I, I'm not doing well. I'm, I'm doing horrible or I'm thinking more like negative thoughts. Uh-huh. So he's not, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm capturing that. I'm not, fe- I'm not thinking very good about this by saying I suck at this right now, or I'm feeling very nervous. Well, those thoughts, how, how are those thoughts making you feel? Uh-huh. Well, they're, you're pointing to a feeling, you know, actually identifying a feeling. Okay. That's making me feel sad, mad, or frustrated. Okay. So that's, that's going to influence how you perform. Maybe where they perform, they're performing not at their best. And it can go vice versa with also maybe positive uh, thoughts. But again, going back to, I don't know if you follow me, Tola, with I'm oh, capturing the thoughts, right? So this can be like a journal. This could be something, things writing them down. And these are consistency and practice and preparation that I'm speaking on. So I would say uh, one way would be that self-awareness, noting where their thoughts and their feelings and behaviors are going and to really break those down. And then from there, you're able to really start, even in that small little nuance of capturing a thought is getting you in the present moment. The more we're able to connect to that and the more we connect it to presence or like being where your feet are, the more an individual can become more conscious about, oh yeah, right, right here, right now. Thought, my feeling, my behavior. And that that's already developing this sense of being more present where your feet are. I agree. And, you know, I was talking to a few athletes, you know, over this year, 2020, in terms of, you know, trying to get them positioned for what they want to achieve in 2020. And one of the things that I was talking about, which is kind of similar to this capture your thoughts thing that you say is as an athlete, you need to know uh, when you perform your best, you need to know what happens. Okay. So that race that you ran or that game that you played where you are an absolute beast, where you were unplayable, so to speak, what kind of thought process were you going through? What was the day like? What were the things leading up to that moment? You know, and I feel like a lot of artists don't pay attention to this. And that's why they find it very difficult to recreate performances because they don't know how they created the first one. So I completely agree with what you said. And I absolutely get it. 
But the question I wanted to ask you now is in what situations is it permissible for an athlete to look into the past? Because, I mean, you see all these guys on Instagram, you see all these guys on Twitter and all these social media things, uh, offering advice and saying all these funny things about uh, looking into the past, how uh, you shouldn't look into your rev real mirror, or maybe you should go in there and do X, Y, Z. For someone who's out in the field, for someone who is actually into this, in what situations is it permissible for an athlete to look into their past for whatever it is, whether it's mindset wise, whether it's physical performance wise, what situations would you advise uh, that you should look into your past or maybe you just don't go there at all? I would say looking into your past, uh, there's great data there. Absolutely. Mm. And there is, depending on where you're trying to look or retrieve from that is uh, whether you move forward or not. So for instance, say an athlete wants to, maybe they're lacking confidence mm. and there is a, a theory called uh, the Bandura self-efficacy theory that connects to confidence, sources of confidence. And there are six sources. And one of them speaks specifically on your past experiences. So in other words, looking at my past experience on something, if I'm, if I've done, I don't know if I've, I ran a mile and I completed well and I did really well, that's going to increase my confidence in doing well again. So I would say looking at your past when it comes to past experiences, especially if you're lacking confidence in the, out in the sport or in the field, it is important to look back to help to see like, or even counter maybe a negative thought that uh, I can't do this anymore. I'm feeling this and this and this. By looking at our past, we can counter it with a fact saying, yes, you can do this. I've done this before during this time at this time uh, two years ago. Then that helps really building and enhancing someone's performance. So to answer your question, I would say there is areas that definitely looking at your past helps to get you to where you want to go. Because for example, if you've done it before, Hmm. you're able to say and connect to that, like, right, I can do it before. I've done it before. The question is, what was I doing before in and after to be able to get that again and again? Because that's the big like, aha, when it comes to sports psych or performance psychology is that you're looking at how can I do that more and more? How can that become automatic? How can I connect more and more to my peak performance? Mm. It's really looking at the maybe the, the pri- right before, during, and after. What happened during that time that you felt that peak performance or you felt that mm. flow or your mental toughness or your edge was on point? And again, piggyback, I mean, going back to the past, there's certain ways and that can be data to be able to help you to get to what you want to get to now and enhance. Mm. And, you know, that's exactly similar to what I was saying in terms of uh, what's the reason for you going into your past in terms of past performances. If it's not to enhance what you currently want to do now, uh, if it's not to uh, get some data points in terms of uh, the references that you're going to make moving forward, uh, then maybe there's no need to do that. But if you're going to go back into that, then of course you're picking things out. You mentioned confidence, you know, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I got a message on Instagram, you know, from an athlete. And I hope he's listening to this episode now. I'm sure he's listening to the episode now where he, he talks about performing a certain way in training and performing the complete opposite when it actually comes to matches. And I'm sure that you're going to have seen that, you know, in the field, in working with these athletes. These guys are absolutely good in training. You know, obviously, naturally, there's no pressure. Uh, there are little expectations. Uh, it's a friendly environment and things like that. 
But the minute it's a tournament, the minute it's a competition, the minute it's a game, it's a match, you know, it's more or less like they're unrecognizable. And, you know, there was a time, I'll give you this example as well, just to put context behind this. There was a time uh, the Nigerian football team was managed by a German coach, you know, and there was a particular Nigerian striker who he always played every single time. I won't mention his name now, you know, and the media got angry and they were so upset. They were like, this guy that you keep playing is not delivering. He's not getting the results, you know, and the coach had to come out to say, this guy is literally the best player every single training session. So literally I have no choice but to play him. It's unfortunate that he gets into the game and he cannot perform. Obviously, Suhi, this is linked to confidence. Uh, but what kind of advice would you offer to an athlete like that who training their particular athlete when it comes to competition, totally different athlete? Oh, this is like fascinating. I love this. I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me more. Let's talk about this though. Um, I think there's so much there. I mean, you hear it all the time, like even like the literature I read and just being a student and things that I've learned that like the athlete chokes in Mm. a time of pressure and they freeze and they're like, you're so great at training and during practice, like what's going on. And then when they're actually time to perform, they don't perform. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you know, they call it the, in sports, like we use the word choke or under pressure, they choke and they freeze. And I think one thing that came up for me, and there's so many things that I could say when it comes to mental skills, but I'm always going to go back to, you know, we have to see and customize, right? We have to connect with that assay to see what is going on, um, whether it be the self-awareness, where, what's happening, see where their mindset is before we can teach them skills or strategies. Because one thing, and I'm going to share a little bit of strategies in a second when it comes to this ask, but it's really important to know that, uh, to see where the athlete is uh, first and foremost before giving them mental skills or techniques to enhance their performance. Mm-hmm. Because we got to find out A, where they're at and B, if they're able to understand and then C, to see what it is, that whole process, because all things, it takes a process to start building on this. Mm-hmm. Then we educate and actually apply these mental skills. But in any case, as I go back to your uh, question is, you know, I was, I would wonder like for this athlete, like what, what is this, is there something that's distracting them when they're actually in competition and what, what is that? So like for, say there is, let's, let's say hypothetically, it is maybe some distractions, the noise, the crowd that is uh, distracting the athlete or that pressure when they're out there. I would consider looking at things that coaches can actually do to help their athletes to enhance during competition. One, one strategy can be like dress rehearsal. I'm not sure if you heard about this, but it's usually really good for like gymnastics, diving or synchronized swimming and uh, figure skating, but essentially much sports can benefit from this. Mm-hmm. And it means the athlete practices with their uniform or maybe encounters the voices and music and applause from the actual comp- like when the competition happens. Basically adding that realness of competition during training Mm. and there's also like a second strategy can be and again i'm I'm taking the stance maybe there's distractions that are happening for the athlete uh maybe there's like simulate uh simulated competition experience similar to the previous and this helps athletes performers become familiar with the noise the crowds external happenings that occur during the competition so for instance maybe in like football or basketball or volleyball and I do remember my coach when I was in volleyball in high school did this and it was fascinating. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this really, this is, this is real. This is kind of weird, but it worked out amazing. And essentially is 
plan out the competition during training. Okay. And uh-huh. they, the, the loudspeaker, they have the crowd noise happening, the opposing team's fighting song. And the goal here is to make the training practice seem like the competition experience. And then lastly, another one that I can think of when it comes to assuming that there's distractions or something, external distractions happening with this athlete would be like mental rehearsal, which is basically imagery. The one thing about imagery, we have to make sure or mental rehearsal is that we have to make sure that the athlete can utilize imagery. So this can only occur assuming that the athlete knows how to use imagery, has been taught and learned how to use imagery for its benefits. But in any case, um, this is using uh, mental rehearsal or imagery is to create in the mind, like the high stress and external distractions that often happen in competition. And then imagine performing and concentration under those circumstances of performing. Yes, you know, and one of the things that I always say, because for, for, for a short period of time, you know, I actually experienced this as well while I was playing before, before I got injured. Mm-hmm. And one thing I always say is that, you see, it's always, it gets to the point where you see training as training and you see competition as competition. So the kind of effort that you're going to put into training is not necessarily the same kind of effort you put into competition. So you go into training, you know, you're laid back. So which means your muscles are relaxed and uh, you're kind of taking things easy. You're not putting pressure on yourself. You are not expectant basically of any result. Uh, but you go into competition and then first place, you know, seems to be like, oh, I have to get this. Or that's when you remember that your coach is watching from the sidelines. Or that's when you remember that there's a particular person in the stands. So it ties into the answer that you gave perfectly in terms of that correlation between training and competition. So training in your match day gear, more or less like you simulating what would actually happen on that particular day. But you see, one of the things that, you know, athletes resist and of course uh, you'll be able to offer more advice on this way is you know they kind of think that once you start mentioning all these mental things and of course you talk about performance uh, routines and all of those things you know they more or less see it like voodoo they more or less see it like you know why are you trying to pry into my mind i was doing i was doing research on chris hoy now you might not know chris hoy chris hoy is one of the greatest track cyclists ever you know so multiple olympic champion world champion he, he was from great britain and one of the things that he talks about that made him a great athlete in terms of him going on to dominate the world was that he paid so much attention to his mental state. So he was always seeing a sports psychologist. And whenever he talked to his teammates about, you know, sports psychology and him seeing his sports psychologist, you know, they always looked at him funny in terms of like, why do you really need to go down that route? What in your experience have you seen is the cause of this resistance where People, they either don't want to acknowledge it or they just feel like, ah, I, I just don't understand this. Why should I go down that route? Another great topic. Yes, <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> I hear this all the time and I know my classmates are, can attest to this. And mm. um, one of my, yeah, we talk about this a lot. It comes up in conversation much. Um, but there's just this, this big stigma, taboo or mm. Ooh, what a, why are you talking about mental stuff? And this idea that, oh, if, I, if I'm working on my mental, I'm weak or this illness, <laughs> oh, what's wrong with you? Oh my gosh. And it's so funny because some of us, like myself and one of my classmates, his name is Alex. And 
<laughs> we're like, we're going to change the game. Like we're, we're mm. going to, a lot of us to talk about it too. In my online classes too, that this is part of, and I say this for myself, this is part of my journey being able to like lessen that stigma that talking about mental tools or mental modes and how to enhance is a, like a bad thing or it's called being weak, especially even connecting to the concept of masculinity, like, oh, as an athlete, I need to be strong and tough. And, mm-hmm. oh, I don't talk about my mind stuff. Like, I don't need that. That's seen as weakness. But I think the more we're able to bring this into, even if it's just educating and just bring that awareness out to these athletes, the more they become, I would say, just, you know, keep on just sharing and seeing what sticks, the more hopefully there's that consistency that they will start to see and believe and connect to it in some way or another. And it can be just maybe connecting to their breathing and that's all they get and that's all they get and that's all they understand and that's okay. Um, but it is definitely the stigma, this being a taboo or talking about mental stuff or mental game, like, oh, nothing's wrong with me. It's like this idea like, oh, something's, I'm ill because I talk about my mental health. Um, and I think it's just history with psychology and mental illness it goes back way then uh, why there is this kind of setback or, oh, I don't want to touch that. Or, I don't want to talk about it because of this per se, quote unquote, traditional way of seeing mental illness or mental skills um, connecting to psychology. I think that is like my answer where I can see it's much talked about in our field and how can we lessen this and how can we enhance the ability to see mental skills and the mental edge as just part of like a tune-up, part of checking in with yourself. Just like you go to get a, a an oil change in your car, uh, you just it's a tune-up. It's just checking in, making sure your wheels are good, right? And same thing I would hope and trust that many can eventually think of, you know, checking in with, you know, your mental skills perform uh, mental skills coach or sports psychologist is simply a tune-up to connect to what's happening. Mm. There's there's one thing that I always say, which is that you know the the certain mental waters that you don't want to test. You know, so more often than not, when you feel like uh, you need to focus on the mental side of the game, yeah, you're, you're almost kind of like too late because it's at the beginning that you should be doing things like that. You know, and I saw uh, one of the interviews that LeBron James did recently, where he was talking about the mental side of the game and how he has to get his mind. So. Even someone like that who has achieved all the things that he has achieved, this is someone who is acknowledging you know, that there's a mental side to the game and even he has to focus on that mental side. So he has a team, obviously sports psychologists involved, you know, that getting in tune with all of these things. Same thing with Steph Curry when, of course, uh, I think it was the 2015, 2016 NBA Finals when they lost to Cleveland despite leading 3-1 as well. You know, he had to acknowledge that, look, I need to get my mind right in terms of closing in the important moments, you know, and it's kind of similar to what we talked about in terms of training and competition. You know, so this is a guy who during the regular season, you know, the three pointers are coming left, right and center. And all of a sudden you get into the playoffs, you get into the NBA finals and you cannot necessarily reproduce that. Do you think it has an advantage that this elite athletes that many of all these younger athletes place on a pedestal are kind of talking about the same thing? Yeah, I think, it, it seems nor it would seem normal that you know these young athletes put these elite athletes in such a pedestal, and maybe it's far fetched to think, oh, being like them, I don't know if I can be that. <laughs> and um, but I would say they all started somewhere, and 
I mean, even myself, if you think about like major elite athletes, like, oh man, like they're just great. Like, ah, oh, he's great or she's great. But I think it all goes back to like the training or what they were doing, you know, obviously the physical training, but also eventually the mental edge is part of it. Like you said too, with being the best that you can be, um, there is the mental part eventually will have to be put in there. Um, you know, you can have, be the best of your best when it comes to your physical ability, but eventually you're going to hit maybe a standpoint where like, huh, I'm just getting stuck and maybe looking into your mental, um, aspect of it, like your mental edge or all of that, then you can start really enhancing to get to the next level. Um, there's one thing I heard recently that really resonates. Um, this quote, uh, about even tra- talking about training and competition is train training, you know, do your best that you can. And when you know better, you do better. Hmm. And then you transfer that to like competition, do the best that you can. And when you know better, you do better. Um, so that's kind of what I have to say about that. Mm, yeah, good quote, good quote. Do, yeah, do your best when you know better. I, and one of the, I put something on my Instagram recently, uh, I think it was a few months back, where I said, look, don't apologize for the things that you didn't know at the time. Now that you know, moving forward, you now begin to work on those things. But you, you talk about this breathing techniques, which I said we're, we're going to come to eventually. And what comes to mind quickly is last season in the NBA, um, Kevin Love, you know, literally, you know, he came out and he talked about having a panic attack, you know, like literally ran into the dressing room, uh, kind of like looking for something. Maybe he was looking for his jersey or was looking for something. And he actually realized that he wasn't actually looking for anything. It was a panic attack. And it took him a lot to come clean and say, look, this is what I experienced. And it's also part of this elite athlete thing that we're talking about. But one of the things that I'm sure he would have learned now is some of this breathing techniques that you talk about in terms of when you find yourself in situations like that, especially as it relates to anxiety and things like that, your breath is where it starts. And the more control you can have over that, the better it will be for you. Now, I know this might sound like another voodoo thing, but kind of explain to us some of these breathing techniques that young athletes can employ, even at the most basic level, as they continue to master, as they continue to get better at it. Yes, breathing. I love this. Uh, So breathing is that one thing that we all have. Mm. We all need breath in order to survive. And it's like, this is such a gem for me. And I have such passion for like breath work and breathing because it's such a simple thing you can do. Mm. Yeah, it's, I would say it's taken for granted very much so. And, but what I really mean when I talk about breathing is intentional, deliberate breathing. You know, we all breathe, we all take deep breaths and you'll hear a lot like being thrown around like, yeah. take a deep breath or do this or yeah. And you'll see like, yeah, yeah all the time. It's like, nah, wait, you got to slow down a little. That's the point. But my point is that um, you get it, you hear it all the time. Take a deep breath. You got this. And you'll see that organically a lot of athletes. And I say this too, when I was, uh, when I had my second internship with this, uh, with the girls with softball. A lot of them without, when I first, first started, it was me kind of observing, seeing what, cause there much can be connect, much can be said or much data can be gathered with just observing. And I noticed that a lot of them just organically would take a deep breath when they set foot on the field. Mm. And I was like, Ooh, this is a perfect workshop for them. Like a perfect team building um, activity and conversation about breathing. And we all, you know, we'll do the breathing and we just, organically do it because our body kind of asks for that. Sometimes you got to slow down. You just do this full breath, breath and like that's hopefully going to slow you down. 
But I think the biggest thing to note here, and it's really important to um, take in, is like doing an appropriate breath. And what I mean by appropriate breath um, is a complete breath, or also known as a circle breath. And this is what I got taught in sports psychology here at JFK. Right. And it's really knowing how to do that appropriately. And I actually utilize this in the workshop with the girls to really teach them how to do this. And this is very basic, even from simply doing one complete breath and doing it appropriately can do wonders. Uh, but first, before I get into that is breathing also helps with like, because some people ask like, okay, what does breathing do? Like, what does it actually do to help me? And right. it, it lessens muscle tension. It helps with the racing heart rate. It helps with like all those crazy thoughts slowing down and you know, any stomach butterflies or anything like that. So it can really do wonders given a chance. But to get back to the circle breath and doing it appropriately, it's, you know, and a circle breath is basically a breath. Like what we do when we breathe, breathe in, hold and breathe out. But it's really about being intentional about taking a deep breath from inhaling through your nose, a slight pause, and then an exhale through the mouth. When an appropriate breath or a circle breath is done right, you will see that the shoulders will stay relatively still. And like your stomach goes in and out, like similar to filling up a balloon. Hmm. So for instance, one way that I I helped with the girls that I worked with and my internship was giving them this visual that seeing their tummy or their stomach blow up like a balloon and deflate like a balloon. Uh, Uh, Lots of times you'll see folks uh, breathing, like taking a deep breath and they're moving their shoulders or their, their shoulders are going up and down. And actually that can cause tension. So what I ended up uh, doing a little exercise with them or having someone do it correctly, a circle breath, this breath that we're talking about, is having like the athlete put one hand on his or her chest, whether it be your right or left. So for example, I'm doing it right now as I speak. I yeah, have I'm my doing it too. left hand. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, my left hand in my, uh, my chest and then my right hand on my stomach. Uh-huh. And the whole point here is like, so if I'm going to breathe in, so if I breathe in with my nose, I hold this slightly and then I exhale or breathe out through my mouth. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're able to see if you really connect to this feeling similar to filling up a balloon, your tummy or your stomach is what you will see going up and down as opposed to your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And the point you do this hand connection to your body is because you want to feel that, feel your stomach like going up with your hand on it. Hmm. And your chest staying relatively still. So if I'm watching you, Toll, if you were in front of me, I'd be able to say, okay, let's try this. And if I'm able to see that your, your, your stomach is what's going up and down as opposed to your shoulders, then we got something there. Hmm. And that is like the appropriate circle breath. And that's just the beginning. That's when someone's burly, like trying to really intentionally and deliberately take a deep breath. At least that's how I experienced it. And that's how I taught the girls that I worked with. Hmm. Again, that right hand on your right or left on your chest and then left hand on your stomach and breathing in, holding it and then exhaling. Mm. And even just that, I felt my stomach go up and it's like a balloon. And that visual of that balloon helped a lot of the girls connect to that. And that's a complete circle of deep breath. And that is what I speak on when breathing like an when you know your audience listening, being able to do that, even if it's just one, can really work. 
and help with lessening any tension or really just getting you grounded and really getting you present and really getting to where your feet are and helping you stay more grounded and present in that moment. Mm, and you see, I'm, I'm listening to the objections that anybody that's listening to us now might have. I actually tried it myself, you know, and I was able to feel it. But one of the things that I always say is that you cannot have an objection to something that you have not tried. You cannot have an objection to something that you have not fully invested in. So for the athletes that are always anxious, for the athletes that have anxiety issues and all of this, you know, this simple breathing technique, you know, just like Sue explained, you know, could be one of the things that you could employ uh, to get you to be calmer, to get you uh, to be in more control of what it is you're trying to do. So if you haven't tried it yet, you, you can't necessarily criticize it. You need to try it. You need to give your, you know, I, I can imagine someone listening to us right now and I know you're going to agree. <laughs> where they're going to they're go, you know, and... You That's the want, thing you don't want. You don't want to do. The, you want to do be deliberate and intentional. Make sure that you're doing it correctly because again, the or too fast. It's can create tension. So now the other way. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. So, sorry. Yeah. So applying it the right way and doing it the way it's supposed to be done. You know, that, that, that's where you see results because there's a reason why uh, the young athletes or at least the particular athlete that's listening to us, there's a reason why you're at the level that you currently are. So if you're looking to scale up, if you're looking to get to that next level, then of course there's certain things that you should employ. There's certain things that you should be adding to your arsenal, more or less many of the things that Sue and I are talking about on this episode to get you to that next level. Now, we've spoken for almost 50 minutes and it looks like it's five minutes away, but you know, there's still a few things you know, that I want us to talk about you know, similar to the first time you know like the time just goes like really really fast you know you talk talk to me about you know attaining state of flow now this is one of the i won't say it's one of the most difficult things but you know it's one of the things that is mostly talked about in the sports fair where as an athlete if you can get to that state of flow then oh man you've hit it or uh, you've hit the optimal point or things like that what is this state of flow that we're actually talking about Ooh, another gem. Good stuff. Mm. So the state of flow. Yeah, it's one of those things like, what, what does that mean? What is that? And as the best way I can describe it, um, in my own words, the state of flow is when you're flowing, when everything slows down, time slows down, you are smooth in your movement. And next thing you know, you, you realize you snap out of that flow or that moment, that mm. skill that you're performing, and you realize, oh my gosh. I just did that. You are so in that flow in that moment of that performance that is so automatic that it flows. And sometimes you may realize like, how did I do that? Mm -hmm. And that is like that performance, that peak performance, that state of flow that you, it became automatic that everything slowed down and everything just felt right when it comes to your body, your physical, your mind. And even some, at times you hear people say everything was so clear yeah. that I was able to just flow through everything and my body was completely in sync. I was flowing through the motions and I, I killed that shot, for example. Um, that's the way I, can, I describe it or I, I can best describe it. And the thing with flow is that, again, this is all from my learnings through school, is that flow doesn't happen all the time. I wish. <laughs> I wish it could happen all the time, but that's the thing. That's the thing that makes sports psychology so amazing that it's wanting to be in that state of flow more, more, more often than not. And really 
to do that, it's like really being able to slow down. And that's what all these mental skills that we, I've been talking about and what sports psychology talks about. It's connecting to that flow. Like how do we get more of that? How do we get more of that peak performance? And all these like mental skills are helping with that to happen. Mm. But it doesn't happen all the time. If it did, we'd all be Superman and Superwoman. That'd be great. <laughs> we all be Kobe Bryant. Um, but uh, it doesn't, but the thing with mental skills, that's what we practice. The more we do this, the more we get in tune with these mental skills and practicing and all the hard work that you do, the more you, it, it can become automatic. And we hope that things become automatic so you can mm-hmm. connect further and further to that state of flow to just flow automatically without thinking and, and performing at your peak. But it's looking at slowing down in that process, looking at your before, your current, and your after, and working through a formula and see that process. So then we can look at what it is that we need to do to get you to that flow. Because it may be that that one time that you had that exceptional player that you're in that perfect state of flow, like, oh, that happened right now. Great. I'm going to sit down to say hypothetically sit down and journal just really quick so when I get time to rest and I'm done with this game and it's tomorrow I can talk to my mental skills coach or sports psychologist or what have you and let them know what happened before in and after what did I do how can I copy and paste that per se Mm. for it can happen more and more it could be that before they had the night before they started with with that they started with their pre-performance routine and what did that all look like so the more we can see what happened before in and after the more we can try to get into that flow of state mm, and i was watching i was watching uh, basketball recently and um cleveland cavalier is one of the one of the rookies that they just drafted you know darius garland you know he had his first double double you know and he was interviewed you know it's interesting when you love what you do you you find out that you know you're watching the most obscure things you know and and you're picking things from it you know so the guy was interviewed you know about the double double that he just scored you know and what he said particularly you know i had to like screenshot it literally you know he said it's a great milestone for me First double-double is really cool to see my game grow. The game is slowing down for me a lot. Is that kind of what you're talking about, Sue? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, the game is slowing down for me. Yes, that's similar to what I'm talking about. And it'd be so interesting to, to, you know, to hear more about that from him. Because, yes, when it's like even for me, if I, if I connect to my flow when it's school and mm. where my past is and what I am doing now, I do feel more like life is a little bit more slower. I feel like I'm a lot more present. I feel like I'm a lot more here. And it's like, I've, I know for me, I can connect to that about slowing down. Um, What you just said is I'm on the right path. Mm. And I know that because I'm more and more become more conscious, more and more I'm in like a state of flow in a sense of the things that I do daily to get me into that practice and to get me into the best version of myself. Mm. Um, for me, the example is the breathing techniques that I do that I mentioned earlier. And with that, what you just said, yeah, I can connect to that as me personally, that yeah, for me, time is slowing down more because I'm in my past. I've been doing things consciously daily to get me to where I'm at now. So to answer your question, I would say, yeah, you start to see that things are more clear. Things are happening more easily and items and performance is just in sync and it's in flow. Mm. The, the final thing I want us to talk about, Sue, is, is pressure related. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, in terms of how I see pressure or how I interpret pressure. One of the things I always say is that, you know, once it's pressure related, there are always two things that are involved. 
either it's an external factor, so it's somebody else applying the pressure or uh, something else applying the pressure, or is that you're not as prepared as you should be. So basically, uh, you get to where you're performing. So whether it's a race or a match or whichever one it is, and then you realize that you left some things on the table, that there were some things you were supposed to do. Maybe you skip trainings, maybe you skip meals, and then all of a sudden, you're now under pressure to what what it is you've done uh, to that point to prepare. So the half effort you've given to prepare, uh, it's now up to you to use that to achieve the results that you want to achieve. Before I ask you about the best tips of how to deal with pressure, would you agree with my assessment? You know, the pressure is twofold. It's either it's external from someone else or it's either due to preparation faults where you've not prepared to the best of your ability. Well, I would say if you prepare the best of your ability and you're on point, no pressure is involved. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I think, no, you have a reasoning when it, coming, it comes to it being twofold. You know, there is pressure outside, whether that be mom, dad, crowd, noise. Uh, there's also that pressure um, within yourself in that preparation. And that goes back to, at the end of the day, what is, we focus on here when it comes to sports psychology and me just with my own philosophy is you control what you can control. And mm. I've learned this since school once time and time again. And what you can control is you. Um, all the external pressure, it's gonna be there. I guess to answer your question, yes, it can be twofold. It's always gonna be there, but you have you have to connect back to you, to your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, because that's all that you have. That's all you can control. And that's where the focus is because everything else, like the referees, the empire and so and so on, you have no control over what pressure they bring on you. Mm. Um, but what you do have control is what you focus on controlling what you can control. And that is, for example, your thoughts and how you feel. And with all of that, that connects to how you behave and how you maneuver through the world and how you perform in the world. Show me some tips on how we can handle that. You know, so yes, I get, uh, you know, that I should control what I can control, which is in terms of things that are, uh, you know, within my grasp. But if you're going to share tips in terms of, okay, you know, maybe don't focus on the crowd or uh, focus on where, what is in front of you, just like we talked about being where your feet are, things like that. What are some of those tips that you share? You know, I was reading, I've read this, it says, I, I'm getting this, this information about tips. Mm. Um, one of my classes, um, I'm going to connect it to a book called The Brave Athlete. And Brave athlete. it is mm. from one of my classes. Yes, it's such a good book. <laughs> I, I trust that if people pick it up, they'll love it as much as I did. Mm. Um, so I took, I got, this book was from um, my class called Performance Enhan- Enhancement C. And this book uh, talked, so chapter 11, I believe it was called, I Need to Harden the F Up. And it was talking about, pressure, talking about how to deal with performance pressure. And one of the, there was, there was a lot of info in that chapter, but one of the things when it comes to a a tip is, and they talked about this in this book. And again, it's coming from the book, The Brave Athlete. Mm -hmm. And it was learning to embrace the suck or learning to embrace the suffer fest. Mm -hmm. Um, The more you are able to embrace that pressure, that suffer fest, that the, the suck of that's how they, that's actually how they say it. embrace the suck. Mm. Uh, the more you're able to, to embrace that, the more uh, you are able to enhance and keep on performing. But uh, a tip would be that they actually talked on here was it's very practical. Get mm. yourself more into the pressure, get yourself more into 
those hard times of feeling that pain, whether it be getting more into practice, say maybe enduring that burn more, um, coping with that fatigue, meaning mm. get out there and run that mar- I mean, run that mile or two more and more, get yourself more into that situation. So you become more comfortable and familiar with that pain. Mm. Um, and I know it sounds like counterintuitive, like, Oh, I want to do that. But that is one of the ways to really be able to, connect to that pressure. And the more you're, the more you get yourself into that, like the suffer fest or that Mm. pressure, the more you're able to attune to it, the more you're able to figure out how to best continue to enhance. So I guess my one tip would be get yourself in there more so than not as much as it sucks, because the more you're able to do that, the more your body yourself, you start getting familiar with it. And the more you are able to continue and figure out whether it be with your coach, your mental skills coach, or a sports psychologist to see, okay, what do I need to do more to make sure that I am able to to deal with this pressure in sport? It adds up, you know, don't run from it, go towards it. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger type of thing. You know, so I think that literally, literally adds up. Thank you so much for coming back, Zoe. And, you know, the time has just flown by, you know, it's, it's, it's literally <laughs> yeah. like, we just started and there's so much to still talk about, but hopefully we can get you back on for the trifecta. You know, say three, three is a magic number, is it? You know, I'm sure that, you know, as you get more <laughs> into this, you're going to get more experience. There's so many things that you can bless us with in terms of your knowledge and things that, you know, you've learned going through and down this journey. So it'll be a pleasure to, you know, have you back sometime later on. Thank you. And I suppose that your, your contact details are still the same, contact at suihealth.com? Yeah, suihealth.com and my email contact at suihealth.com. And of course, you can find her on Instagram as well, suihealth. And um, you're going to see the uh, nuggets and the wisdoms and the pearls of wisdom that she shares, you know, <laughs> yes. you know which is great. You know, you know it's, it's so funny that anytime I see your pearls of wisdom, right? You know, because I want to listen to everything back to back, you know, I'll literally stop and then I'll find like a, a perfect time where you know i can sit down and actually listen to all of it back to back it's just so funny it's funny because those like the pearls of wisdom i got that like statement from one of my mentors doug and mm. it stuck with me and then there's i remember one time um someone at starbucks I had met and we had a conversation and they, you know he's like you have so much like insight and there's so much knowledge that you're sharing with me like how do you how do you like keep like how do you let this all go or do you mm. write it down like where do you capture this and I remember that's when I was first starting my social media and this that highlight the pros of wisdom like mm-hmm. I surprised myself like where does this come from <laughs> like something just flows and things that come up and there I am sharing so I'm glad that you're able to connect to it <laughs> Oh, I am, you know, and I'm actually inspired to stop mine, but it's just, I don't know, I never, I never find the best time to do it, you know, where, <laughs> you know, you just, because I, I believe everyone has something to share and, you know, there's someone out there that it's going to resonate with, there's someone out there that's going to listen to it and there's someone out there that it's going to bless, you know, so uh, I think we should, we should all be doing that. You know, I've, I've really, I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank you. So did I. Thank you so much, Tola, for having uh, me on again. Can you, can you, um, what's the word? When you end something, can you sign us off with a little Spanish again? Sure. Okay, let me see. What can I say? <laughs> the pressure is on. <laughs> Era, fue un placer estando en este podcast con Tola y espero que recibieron cosas bonitas y cosas que van a usar. Y nos vemos la próxima vez que esté aquí. 
Gracias. Oh, Spanish is so, so good. What did you say, please? <laughs> Nothing. No, I'm kidding. I said, uh, I hope that you never know, had a good time listening to this. I hope that you, you all got something from this. And it, it was my pleasure. And I hope to connect with you all again. Back on. Uh, thank you so much, Sway. We'll see you soon. I'm sure you see now that, you know, I wasn't bragging. I'm sure you see now that I wasn't hyping the show unnecessarily. I wasn't, you know, talking about the show in a way that you listen to it now. And you're like, what did they talk about that was different? I'm sure literally there's so many nuggets that you picked out from this particular episode. Even if it's just the Spanish part that you picked out, man, that was even good as well. And of course, I'm currently learning French. You know, so maybe I'm going to switch to Spanish, you know, when all of this is said and done. But man, you enjoyed this episode. I'm absolutely sure that you did. And of course, there were so many things that you picked from it. Send me email, tola at adlimashiro.com. Send to email as well. Contact at suehealth.com so many things we discussed so many things we talked about and i'm sure you were richly richly blessed by this episode of course uh, further down the line i'm sure we're gonna be able to get suhi back on as well we talk about more things you see sports is never it, it's a never-ending journey and of course it continues and continues and continues and of course there's so many things that you can always continue to learn as you continue to improve in the world of sports and of course achieving your sports goals send me a mail toll up at adlimashiro.com don't forget you can contact Sue as well contact at suehealth.com check out on instagram as well at suehealth if you haven't subscribed to the podcast so that you can continue to listen and you can continue to learn from great episodes like this then i'll highly highly encourage that you do so you don't know how to subscribe you don't know how to leave us a rating and review as well head over to alibash.com forward slash subscribe what your rating and review does is that it allows other athletes you know an athlete who is struggling with whatever you know and they go online they try to google something you see what your rating and review does is that it boosts the profile of the podcast so they can find it and they can listen to great episodes like this from great people like suhey because they can solve the problems that they currently have in sports alibash.com forward slash subscribe don't forget that resource alibash.com forward slash daily planner do not forget guys i'm bowing to the pressure and of course i'm going to be starting one-on-one mentorship for young athletes and of course uh, it's going to commence sometime in april i believe it is so if you're interested in that uh, which of course you should be if you are a young athlete who is trying to create a part a student athlete whichever one it is you know it's something that uh, would benefit you greatly so head over to adlimash.com forward slash group coaching to signify your interest in that one adlimash.com forward slash group coaching so that uh, you get notified of course uh, when that is kicking off i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing it's not enough you must do i want you to go out there put into practice everything that you've learned from suhey gomez i want you to go out there i want you to be a maestro today and every single day